episode 73 of the Aggressive Progressive podcast. Labor Day is behind us. The election is in front of us. It's all getting real from here. Let's start the show. We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity. You and I as citizens have the obligation to shape the debates of our time, not only with the votes we cast, but with the voices we lift. The people are looking for honest answers, not easy answers. The very word secrecy is repugnant. Clear leadership. And we are as a people. Not false claims and evasiveness and politics as usual. Opposed to secret society. But ours was a nation of the ballot, not the bullet. And a secret procedure. As a people, we cannot afford to let any group of citizens or any individual citizens live or labor under conditions which are injurious to the commonwealth. Black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, young, old, gay, straight, men, women, folks with disabilities, all pledging allegiance under the same proud flag to this big, bold country that we love. That's what I see. That's the America I know. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. There is nothing wrong with America that cannot be cured by what is right with America. Hope everybody got all the rest they needed over Labor Day weekend. It's a full sprint now until November 3rd, and it is going to be a wild one. I am uh, not going to let up. I hope you don't let up. And I hope that America does the right thing, and I'm starting to feel confident they will. I know I say that every week. That doesn't mean we don't work hard, America. That means we work harder. You always got to run like we're 10 points down. Always got to run like you're 10 points down, and there's still a chance to make that up. I don't care how far ahead he looks. No lead is safe. This president's going to lie, cheat, and steal to try to win this election. And his supporters are already starting to talk about the coup, the coup, the coup. That's coming. It's not a coup. It's an election. Okay? And in an election, you govern by the consent of the people in a republic like the United States of America. So... All these right-wing nuts calling it a coup. It's not a coup. It's an election. And they're trying to say that, oh, the vote-by-mail coup. Well, you know, Republicans have been voting by mail for a generation, and they've been better at it. And I think that the president's focus on vote-by-mail is actually hurting his chances to get reelected. And it's hurting him in places like Florida where it matters. And he's already said, oh, Florida, they do great elections there. But people are still getting mixed messages from him about vote-by-mail nonsense. That's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about this Atlantic article. I know you've all seen it. Um, You've seen the follow-up. You've noticed that Fox News has confirmed most of it. Uh, I'm waiting for General Kelly to come out and actually speak to it, frankly. Um, I know that General Kelly does not have a great taste in his mouth after spending, you know, two years in the Trump administration. Uh, He has said as much, and the president has been less than kind to him as he's left. And I'd really like to hear from General Kelly. But the bottom line is this. In 2016, 2015 even, we knew where Trump was on veterans when he denigrated John McCain. And he said, I like people who weren't captured. You call him a hero because he was captured. I like my heroes that are not captured. How that didn't knock him out of the Republican primary, a, a party that pretends to support our troops, pretends to support veterans. But when one of their great political, and military heroes is denigrated 
by a guy who had multiple deferments from going to Vietnam for, quote, bone spurs. It's beyond me. So everything that was said in that article about how you'd be a loser to go to go to Vietnam. He doesn't want to go to that funeral site because it's filled with losers. Why are people joining the army? What do they get out of it? What he said over General Kelly's son's grave is disgusting. But all of that stuff sounds like Trump. It sounds like who he is. And when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. Isn't that what my isn't that what Maya Angelou told us? When people show you who they are, believe them. And he's shown us who he is. He is a self-centered, you know, ridiculous human being who doesn't understand what public service is. And he's in a job that is the ultimate symbol of public service. How people think that this is okay at this point is beyond me. He is in a job that is the ultimate symbol of public service, and he has no idea, no understanding, no no ability to comprehend what it means. Why would somebody join the army if they had talent, he says, of a general? I think even the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, or one of the Joint Chiefs. America, that's who he is. Okay, I, I, I know... That there are your conservative friends will say it's anonymous sources, it's anonymous sources. They've been confirmed by Fox News. I'm sorry. That's not a liberal rag. That is Fox News. Confirmed. And I I gotta tell you, I'm I'm really looking forward to when General Kelly comes out and speaks. And frankly, you know, I know that they don't want to politicize the military, but this guy has used the military as props. And former military members need to start showing up, and some of and many of them have, by the way. But the ones whose names you know, and, you know, we have one, Colin Powell. But some of the names you know who worked for Donald Trump, like General Mattis, General Kelly, and I don't know if General McMasters has retired yet, but General McMasters, who was his first, his second, sorry, uh, head of, uh, uh, not DNI, he was the National Security Advisor. I would like to see, I would like to hear from them. I'd like to hear from them on this issue and on other issues about this president, because I just think that he's dangerous to this country. And I, I want to point out one other military thing. You know, the story about not wanting to go to the graveyard in France to visit that Marine unit that was wiped out in World War One was um, typical of this president. But it's also typical of how he doesn't respect our allies because all of our allies went the the leaders of England and Canada and France they all drove out there because the helicopters wouldn't fly it was a I guess a low sky a low ceiling they call it that day but it, it speaks to his disrespect for our allies and I one of the things that troubles me most in a Trump second term and there are a lot of things that trouble me in a Trump second term but one of the things that troubles me the most, is how he has treated our allies and how he has, you know, warmed up to people like Putin. I think that in a second term, this president would pull us out of NATO. And I think pulling us out of NATO would be one of the most devastating things it did for the security of this world. Not just our country. Our security would definitely be in jeopardy. But the security of Europe. When you have an aggressive Russia right now, you have China that's kind of testing the waters 
pulling us out of NATO and weakening that alliance that has kept us safe from aggression from really from the Soviets, but now, you know, the Russians, but has kept this, this, this country safe, kept our Western allies safe for about 75 years. That would be the most dangerous and despicable thing that this president could do. But I believe that a second term Donald Trump, that would be one of the first things he does. He might not even wait to the second term. He might do it, you know, right after he gets elected. If he gets if he gets reelected, which he won't, because we're going to beat him back, and he's going to lose, and he's going to lose. Florida and Michigan are going to be called on election night, and they're not going to be called for him. And we're going to wait for Arizona to come in, and he's going to lose Arizona too, and he's going to lose Wisconsin, and I'm pretty sure he's going to lose Pennsylvania. Those polls are very tight in Pennsylvania, but I'm pretty sure he's going to lose Pennsylvania too. And there's other states out there that we're not even thinking about that we haven't talked about. I'm not even talking about Ohio and North Carolina. Uh, maybe not even Texas. I think there's another state out there, a state or two out there that we have not thought of that could go the other way because he's just that bad. And people, I do think people know it. I think people look around and they see what's going on and he could spin it all he wants. I mean, the guy's out there tweeting t- uh, on, on Monday about 10.5 million jobs created in four months. Yeah, well, in five months, we've lost... 12 million jobs, right? So actually we lost 20, 22 million jobs and he got 10.5 of them back, which means we're 11.5 million jobs short of where we were in February, Mr. President. So tweet away that you created 10.5 million jobs, which you didn't, but uh, tweet away. But we remember that we've lost jobs too. It's despicable. He's a despicable, despised human being. And I think people look at this and they see it for what it is. And I I do think that a lot of people are, look, it's going to get tight. Things will go up. Things will go down. I don't expect Joe Biden to have an eight-point lead from now until November. Although he's had an eight-point lead pretty much since, I don't know, June. It's been a very stable lead. And it's going to take a lot to cut into that lead. It'll, it'll take a train wreck. And Donald Trump has given Joe Biden a gift by lowering expectations every time he speaks, right? So the, the Trump campaign has decided that Donald, you know, and, and they've kind of moved away from this in the last two weeks. But they originally decided that they were going to make an issue out of Joe Biden's mental capacity, which kind of took a backseat and low, but, you know, which they've st- started, you know, to move away from because they realize that what they're doing is lowering the bar for Joe Biden. The thing is, a lot of their a lot of their supporters, they don't even know this because they spent so long pounding away that Joe Biden doesn't have the mental st- mental capacity to be president, that he's got dementia or Alzheimer's even that their supporters have bought into it. And even as the campaign has moved away from it, they still put it out there on social media, on their uh, internet platforms, even some radio hosts. They constantly call him Dementia Joe, things of that nature. But what that does is it lowers the bar so that when Joe Biden shows up to the debate and isn't drooling on the microphone, but is actually giving real answers, doesn't matter what those answers are. You've lowered the bar. And what you've also done is raise the bar for Donald Trump. A bar that I think is going to be very hard for him to get over in these debates. And I quite, I'm going to make this other prediction right now. The debate commission announced three hosts. 
One of them is uh, Chris Wallace from Fox News. One of them is Kristen Welker uh, from NBC News. I believe he'll show up. I believe Donald Trump will show up to the Chris Wallace debate. But I believe Donald Trump will not show up to the Kristen Welker debate. I believe he will pull out of that debate, cry about her being the host or, or the moderator, sorry, and 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 whine and whine and whine. Maybe he'll show up to the C-SPAN debate. I don't I don't even know who that guy is, but he's from C-SPAN. I mean, how bad could he be, right? So it, it's a, it is highly likely, in my opinion, that the president will not show up to all three debates. And especially after he gets walloped in the first debate with Chris Wallace. Maybe he'll try to, regain his footing in a second debate and he'll get walloped again because he has lowered expectations for Joe Biden and all Joe Biden has to do is be normal and he will be. We've seen him out on this campaign trail now. He's been taking questions. He's doing fine. I am excited. I have hope. I think you should have hope too. This is going to be a long eight weeks. I mean, really, it's like seven and a half. It's eight, eight weeks. It's eight weeks to the election. This eight weeks is going to feel like eight years. I can't wait for it to be over. Um, but, you know, I love elections. I love politics. I love reading the statistics. I love looking at strategy. I love it. And uh, I'm really excited to watch this campaign play out. And, you know, usually, you know, I, I'm, you know let, me, let me be honest with you. Usually when I'm watching an election, I'm really interested in the strategy on both sides. I want to see how people are reacting to what's going on. And I'm excited when I see good strategy on, on, on either side. And I will pontificate about those things, either on my radio show, television, here. I don't really care about his strategy this time. I don't, first of all, uh, the last three months have shown, you, shown me is that he's got no strategy. They've literally got no strategy. Their strategy was to say that the cities were on fire and the state where they're pointing to the city being on fire, Kenosha, which is in Wisconsin, Trump is down eight points, even in Rasmussen's polling. Rasmussen, which definitely has a house effect towards Republicans. So he's down eight points in Wisconsin, even in Rasmussen. Now, you know, Rasmussen likes to throw a poll out there. And then they slowly change the poll to make it a Republican, to make it look like there's some sort of momentum. But today, that Rasmussen poll probably was an honest poll, and it had him down eight points. Remember, there's a Republican House effect in there, though. I usually like to, to talk about the strategy, but think about this strategy. He's down eight points in Wisconsin. If there's any state where this chaos in the streets should be working for Donald Trump, it's Wisconsin, and it's clearly not working. You know why? Because there's chaos in the streets, and you're president, Mr. President, and you've done nothing to turn the temperature down. And I'm not saying that you should be sending in the army or doing anything to quell the violence. I'm saying that your job is to lower the temperature, and you haven't done that, and the American people are not stupid. They know that in a second term, it'll be more of the same. So yeah, usually I like it when people have strategy and their things are going on and pieces are moving on the chessboard and I want to see what's going on. This president and his campaign has had no strategy for anything, not for COVID-19, not for dealing with China, not for, uh, you know, no strategy on nothing, not, not for the economic recovery, how to deal with Congress, no strategy. So why would we expect them to have a campaign political strategy? 
So I guess I'm only going to be talking about Joe Biden's strategy. And right now, his strategy should be punch and run, right? Like in, in boxing at the end. You're up. You're up. It's late in the fight. You're up. It's like, it's the eighth round. You're up on points. You know, just hit and run. Stick and move. Don't stay in one spot. I do think he needs to go out and campaign. Uh, do not get me wrong. I think he needs to be in Arizona, Florida, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania all the time. With some st- with some time in Texas, North Carolina, Georgia, and other places we think we might need him. Maybe Minnesota, right? I, I, I you know, he's got to get out on the campaign trail. You can't have a campaign just from Delaware. He needs to get moving. He needs to be in the local papers. He needs to be on the late local news. People need to see that he's in those states. Do it with safe social distancing, Mr. Vice President, but you got to do it. You can't stay home anymore. And, uh, you know, that's as of now, get on the road, get on the road, get on the road. I'm interested to see their strategy, and I'll talk a lot about that here. Uh, But the Trump campaign, I mean, I thought when they brought in Stepien, who was uh, Chris Christie's campaign manager did a great job getting Chris Christie elected twice in New Jersey, a state that doesn't elect a lot of Republicans. I'm like, oh, this is a real guy who's going to be running the campaign. This is not some you know guy who was doing you know real estate websites who had a good idea about social media three years ago, and he did. Uh, this is a real political campaign guy. Uh, their message is basically the 1968 Nixon campaign. I mean, Trump probably... Um, pardoned Roger Stone so he didn't have to call him in prison to discuss the campaign strategy with him. The campaign strategy that's going on right now is Nixon's 68 campaign. He thinks that suburban voters are going to be all in on racism, and he's wrong. He's losing because of his strategy. It's, it's amazing to me. Anyway, it's going to be it's going to be fun between now and then. It's going to be frustrating. It's going to be stressful. Uh, but it's eight weeks, eight weeks, eight weeks. Think about it. Eight weeks ago was the 4th of July. And I know that seems like a long time ago now, but that's it. Eight weeks between now and then. All right. I've got a, a really, really good guest here. Sarah Burris. You've heard her before. She's from Raw Story. Uh, had her on my radio show last week. Take a listen to Sarah. Then I'll be back. I also want to say one more thing. Thank you. Uh, last week, uh, I mean, I don't know what came over you people last week. Maybe it's because I had two weeks of like reruns, but I had the best, best showing I ever had. I went up dramatically and uh, I really appreciate it. Please tell a friend, share this podcast, tweet me at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. I love you for it. Uh, All right. Stick around here, Sarah Burris, and then I'll be back to wrap it up. Joining me now is Sarah Burris. She is the senior digital editor for Raw Story, somebody who I've talked to many times on this show and whose political opinion and opinion in the media I greatly enjoy hearing. How are you, Sarah? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, You know, busy couple of days. I feel like each day is like a year now, don't you? It is. I feel like I have aged so much in the Trump administration. And every week, you know, whenever things get really crazy... Uh, it, it really is just like a month or a yeah. year and you're just like, you get to the end of it and you're like, oh my God, it's over. I need some wine. There's eight weeks to election day. They are going to be the longest eight weeks followed by a long three weeks, I think. <laughs> so. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to have to talk up on some candy and other sugary items to get me through it. 
I'm on keto right now. You know, I got to go on TV, so I can't uh, I can't get too heavy. And I, I definitely gained the COVID-11. I've shed, it, I've shed six of it, but I probably needed to lose five pounds before I gained that 11. So I'm going to try to lose another nine or 10 pounds. <laughs> so. Yeah, the good news is we're, we're all in this together as a country. Everybody's gained COVID weight. Everybody's fighting whatever, um, you know, from from being isolated and so... Yeah, well, you have an you you have an advantage. You have an advantage, Sarah. From what I know, you're tall, and uh, you have hair, and uh, so I I can't be short, fat, and bald, and I still expect to be put on television on a regular basis. I got to at least control what I can control, and I can't control the hair. Uh, I can't control the height, but I can control you know that jawline that America seems to like. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I'm going to try to keep doing that as long as I can. I'm holding on. I'm, I'm I'm hanging on by the by my toenails right now. It's it's crazy. So let me ask you this question. Um do you think that the media is fairly covering, you know, the Joe Biden uh Kenosha visit versus the Trump Kenosha visit? Do you feel like there's been adequate coverage of this? Not at all. Um I think whenever Trump was there and they were they were leading with it for at least an hour or so. Yeah. Um he they did um you know his walk through they did some coverage of his round table. They did I mean I I want to say it was maybe a 2 hour chunk yeah. on on those channels kind of off and on. Right. And uh with the Biden appearance they did I want to say maybe 30 minutes from of just his remarks at the beginning of the um, his conversation at the church, I know that his uh, conversation with the Blake family was private and personal. Yep, and as it should know. be. Right, right, right. Um, but the thing that really killed me is there were some amazing comments and questions from the audience and the way that he responded to it um, that didn't get aired. You know, hmm. you could watch them online, but right? For the rest of the country that gets their news. Um, from CNN, MSNBC, then, you know, it wasn't, that stuff wasn't really aired. It was just the beginning of his remarks and, you know, we missed the the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. I I think that they really have dropped the ball here. Um, You know, all the gnashing of teeth for weeks. Why won't Biden go to events? Why won't he do a press conference? Well, this week he's done two events and a press conference. And they covered the first event pretty much. It was a 20-minute event. No big deal. But the second event, they were like, eh, you know, he's going to make some speeches and who cares? Exactly. This is something where it's very obvious. Like, I remember during the last election, Trump was just all over TV. And I think that was more about shock and awe. Yeah. People were fascinated. Well, it was also entertaining yeah. as hell. Everybody wanted to watch yeah. it. Yeah. It was it was the freak show, the train wreck. Everybody wanted to watch it because they were just like, "How is this happening?" Right, how right, right. Who are these people chanting his name in the arena? Why do I feel like I'm in Germany in 1931? Right, right. And so I feel like that is sort of happening again, where a lot of times people, the the networks want to cover Trump because they know he's going to say or do something crazy, and they know that Biden is probably not. And um, so that's... Is, is there anything that Biden can do about this? I mean, we are going to be within that 60-day equal time window soon. 
Um, you know, what would you, can he demand equal time? I think that he could. Um, I don't know necessarily that it, that he would even want to, because I feel like now at this point, what we are seeing from the two of them is very, it has to be calculated. Yeah. It has to be planned. And, um, you know, it, it's like the, all of the things that Trump does are a desperate attempt to get some kind of coverage, whether or not it's, it's good. And with Biden, I think they're being a lot smarter about it and I'm, I'm a lot more cautious. Right, right, right. Um, and, um, and, and then, you know, you, the coverage really reflects that. I, I feel like the Biden folks are a lot smarter about the way that they are doing press and media um, so that it's not just it's not him talking at people. Right. Granted, Biden is not that kind of guy. He, he's not somebody who just talks at people. No. He talks with people. Right. Where Trump is up on his podium and and. And, um, you know, just yelling at people and far away from the crowd. So I think that that is part of it. You know, I think Biden wants, especially with these uh, with issues like what's going on in Kenosha, I think it was, a lot of that was about listening. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for two old white guys, their style couldn't be different, I would say, right? Yeah. And I, especially when you start talking about police brutality and issues in the black community. Yeah. So important for the white guy to listen. Yeah. And... Um, and so you're seeing that on the Democratic side and obviously not on the Republican side because it's all about, you know, supporting police that want to shoot unarmed black men. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff going on right now around this country. And, and I, you know, I, I do think that media watchdogs like you, uh, are, you know, engaged in making sure that you're, you know, calling balls and stripes in the way the media is covering it is, is very important. And I, and I think a lot of people don't appreciate what you and other people like you do in this regard. So, you know, the next couple of weeks are going to be very important to have people like you really on the case calling balls and strikes. Well, thanks. I'm trying. I do what I can. I think it should be all about fairness. And um, at the very least, I get it. Like people need to get ratings and yep. ads and what yep. have you. But this is the election. This is important. It is very important. I mean, that doesn't mean that you can't like when I have a shouting match on Fox News with somebody that I tear apart, you can't, you know, write about it. But (laughs) get ready. There's going to be one at 10 p.m. tonight. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm on fire, baby. I'm on fire. (laughs) So it's (laughs) I, uh, you know, I really I got no patience for any of the nonsense anymore. And I'm just calling it. I'm surprised they keep putting me on. (laughs) I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, especially if you're on keto. I don't know if you've reached that angry. No, I'm past the angry part. I've been on for like two and a half weeks now. So I'm starting to, I've adjusted to it and I'm still waiting for my magic spoon to arrive. Uh, <laughs> that cereal is supposed to be really good. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm past that, uh, part. I'm just, I'm just like, I'm on fire about this election. I cannot stand when smart people defend stupidity. And I think that that's, what's going on on the right there. And, and not everybody's smart, but a lot of them are smart and they're smart enough to know what's going on here. And they're still defending it, and it it drives me nuts. That I would say that's one of those things that I was thinking last night whenever I saw that interview with um, Bill Barr and Wolf Blitzer. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. That was unbelievable because that was a perfect example of the worst possible person that you could put on TV for Trump to capture yeah. that whole like suburban women. He's just he's just he's, he's, he's just talking about disgusting. 
you know, you're, are you still in Oklahoma? No, I did come back to Washington. Oh, you made the trip back to Washington. Good for you. I, you were, you were, yeah. I, I figured by now you'd probably be back in Washington. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just interested to get your take on just the state of this country right now. I mean, it, it's, uh, I mean, and you've traveled, you've, you've seen it, you, you know what's going on. You've got your family from the Midwest. You've been down to Florida. Uh, you know, now you're in D.C. Tell me what you think the mood of this nation is. What has been really interesting to me is hearing my mother's perspective. I always sort of use my mom as a sounding board because she is a conservative Southern Baptist Republican who hates Donald Trump. Wow. And she's so, a rainbow. She's not a rainbow, a unicorn. Right? She's fascinating. And um, I understand it. It makes sense. Like over the years, I've really been able to persuade her to just support women candidates. Right. So, and that tends to be Democrats a lot of the time. Yep. Um, but she is obviously surrounded. She works in banking. So she's surrounded by Republicans. Yeah. And so it's like constantly she's texting me stories. Um, and, and one of the things was that they were running ads in Oklahoma on the whole Biden mental fitness thing. Mm. And that has been the most interesting conversation to have with her because she's like, I don't understand why he's not coming out and saying anything. And I was like, why would he? All he's got to do is do what he's been doing. I mean, I think that the press conference he held yesterday, the convention speech, the other speeches he's given clearly shows the guy's mentally fit. Not only that, the guy bounds up the stairs to his plane, whereas Trump is like, I mean, he really literally looks like he needs Melania to hold his hand. He needs. Yeah, it's like even coming down the steps when he was stealing the White House for the RNC. I was like, oh, I hope he falls. I mean, I didn't really hope he falls. (laughs) You're terrible. I didn't really hope he fell. But I was just like, this guy is using Joe Biden's health. And he's this completely overweight. Talk about the COVID-15. I mean, he he really, truly, you know, shouldn't be talking. But you remember, I'm not sure if you remember, in the 2012 election, uh, there were all of these comments about Biden going into the VP debate. Right. I never knew where those rumors were coming from, who it was that was talking about it, if it was, you know, Biden's team trying to, um, you know, lower expectations, or if it was uh, the Republicans, like, making little snide comments here and there. Regardless of what it was, the expectations for Biden were incredibly low. Yeah. He went into that debate and wiped the floor with Paul Ryan. I feel like, no, go ahead. Keep going. Sorry. I I just feel like I keep, that is what we're seeing again. And I was just telling my mother, like, look, these are, why would you say anything? Why would you try (laughs) and fight back against that right now? Let them, let them lower their expectations for you. I mean, that's the key. Wait. Wait until you get into the the debate, because then all he's got to do is just like crush it the first time, and you know you're gold. Oh, I'll tell you, I'll go a step further. I've been saying as long as he doesn't eat the microphone in the debate, he's won. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's yeah. they've got it. They've got him like he's mentally disturbed and he can't understand anything. He doesn't know what he's saying. I saw him answering questions yesterday. It looked pretty good to me. I watched that speech the other night. One of the best spe- I've seen him give speeches for 25 years, and right. and that is. To me, the best speech he's ever given, and he's what seventy six years old. So I mean, it's it's you know I I think it's I, I've also I also take some responsibility for the fact that they've toned down their attacks on his mental fitness because I have been saying keep lowering expectations, just keep doing it. It's fine by me. Yep. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it was definitely one of his top speeches, but it was 
it, it seems like Trump has really benefited from this idea of lowering expectations. And I was always so frustrated because it seemed like as long as he didn't like the light the podium on fire yeah. or drooling all over himself, that it was fine. But now it's like Trump's people have fallen into that. Oh, yes. they're at that trap. Yeah. And, and you just have to wonder, like, are you really this stupid? Are you so bad at this. They that, e- they were even starting rumors that the 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 convention speech was pre-taped. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like okay, please by all means continue lowering expectations. Of course, Joe Biden isn't mentally fit. Of course, Donald Trump's going to look like an idiot at the debates if he shows up, and I still don't think he's going to show up. I don't think that he will too. I think that he'll try, um, and I I think that he'll. If you remember, whenever he did the debates last time, it was like that first one. He really didn't. You could tell he hadn't prepared. Yeah. He didn't do debate prep. It was very clear that he didn't know what he was talking about, and he was struggling a lot. Yeah. And I wonder if that will happen again here, if he thinks that he is just somehow um, omniscient and knows everything and is is prepared to talk about everything. Um, But Biden is like a foreign policy genius. He knows every name. He knows every detail about right. every leader. I mean, this there's no way that Trump is going to beat him on something like that. Um, well, there's no way he's going to beat him on specifics. If the debate gets specific, Trump's going to look like an idiot. Trump doesn't even know how to pronounce half of the countries. Right. He doesn't know where they are. Doesn't know what continent they're on. Yeah, and, and, and to think that he might prepare, the guy didn't even read his convention speech before it was in the prompter, if you ask me. Because if he okay. did, he sure didn't sound like he did. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing with all, a lot of his speeches is that, you know, he fumbles those words. Um, I don't know if it's because he can't see the prompter or if he just, you know, fumbles whenever he's reading something. Right. But, um, you know, I just I don't believe for a second that he is going to be prepared for this. The second one, he might be. But at that point, I mean, you're talking about so far into the election cycle that I, I, how are people undecided at that point? I don't know how anybody. What, I don't know how anybody's undecided person, at this point, let alone by then. But I mean, if person is sitting out there being like, "Oh, gee, you know, I just don't know enough about Donald Trump. Here, I need to Google." I just think that if Joe Biden blows him away in the first debate, which is going to be Chris Wallace, it's the Fox debate, right? So Chris yeah. Wallace is going to be the anchor. And, you know, Chris Wallace is a right leaning, but he's a journalist and he has been fair, I think, and in most of the time. So. Trump's going to get annihilated in the debate with Chris Wallace there. You think he's going to show up for Kristen Welker? I mean, there's just no way he's showing up for Kristen Welker. I'm surprised we haven't heard them say they weren't coming yet today to that debate. Yeah, exactly. I keep wondering why he uh, it it, it seems like they were trying to come up with some sort of excuse. Yeah. You know, for a while he was like, oh, I want more debates. I want more debates. And now he's trying to uh, lower expectations. Yeah, he raised expectations. I am talking to my good friend who I've never met, Sarah Burris. How you doing? (laughs) I'm good. You know, isn't that the way it is now? Like, you have friends you just never met. Yeah, and and that was one of the things about moving to Washington, D.C., is there were so many people that I had known from politics and that I've emailed with or Facebook friends with or Twitter followers or whatever, and I'd never met in person. And so whenever I moved here, you know, it was just a series of drinks, coffee, dinner, lunch, where, you know, all of these people that I'd never met in person. And it was so cool to put a face with a name. So yeah, once this COVID thing is all finished, I'll zip up to New York and, you know, have a bit of 
we'll have a, we'll have a bit of tea. We'll have a spot yeah. of tea. And will you put on British accents? Should I put on a pr- proper British accent or should I be more Cockney? What do you think? Yeah, and a bit of a scone. I don't, I don't have a scone. I want a, I want a dry scone like Larry David. <laughs> I want a super dry, you know, choke on it scone. One of the worst things that ever happened, I think, to Starbucks is they changed their scones about seven years ago. <laughs> so I, I have no idea. I'm I'm totally a, a tried and true lemon cake person. Ah, lemon cake. Yeah, no. Lemon cake, that is very Oklahoma of you, I think. I think that's an Oklahoma <laughs> thing. I think New Yorkers totally we're not we're not all about the lemon cake. I'll have a lemon Italian ice. But <laughs> but but lemon cake. Now you're getting me hungry, okay? I haven't eaten any of this stuff in two and a half weeks. And I got to go on TV tonight, and I'm already in a bad mood about the president. So now, what do you want me to do? You want me to go in there thinking about lemon ice? Oh, Sarah. I, this, is how you, this is how you raw story people get us. You get us before we get on the air. We get us all worked up, and then you got something to write about. So, Chris Hahn calls Steve Cortez lemon cake on national television. You know, there are worse things that you could call him. Believe me. It's funny. It's very funny. So let's just talk about this, this like mood. I want to keep to get, pick, pick your brain a little bit more about the mood of the nation. We started talking about your mom and how she's a conservative Southern Baptist from Oklahoma, of all places, who hates Donald Trump. I got to think that there are more people like that out there. I think that there definitely are. And you're seeing some of that um, with a lot of these swing states. You know, I, that's the reason that Trump is talking about, um, as he likes to call it, suburban housewives. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that means. Oh, my God. It's the most outdated phrase ever. And I'm sure that there are people who consider themselves housewives still, and they're probably voting for Donald Trump. Right. For the rest of the country, you know, for the rest of the women in the world who think of themselves as like, you know, working moms or um, working from home or, uh, you know, just there are so many things that people do. Like being a mother is a job. Yeah. Right? Like, and, I think that so he like, thinks to, to win Wisconsin, he has to win uh, Marion Cunningham over Mrs. C. And right? uh, and that's his whole plan. How do I win Mrs. C? They probably have on their wall. You know how Clinton had it's about the economy, stupid. They probably yeah. have it's about Mrs. C, stupid on the wall. Yeah, and you know that there was some conversation with a pollster that was trying to explain to him this demographic, and so he's just sort of adopted that that you know that phrasing of suburban housewife, and that you know the pollster is just like, no, that's not what I meant. That's not right, what I meant. right, 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 right. <laughs> it is, it is pathetic. It is absolutely pathetic, and and he's out there trying to do. But you talk to a lot of women, right? You're involved. You're involved. You, you know, I I don't know if I want to call you a leading feminist. But you definitely are a feminist, and I'm sure that you're talking to a lot of women in your role at Raw Story who are probably offended by this, correct? Exactly. Um, and I, I mean, I, th- throughout the pandemic, one of the things that I've been doing is older women who really can't go out and get groceries and stuff like that. I've been helping um, as many of the older women that I know um, just go and get stuff for them or yep. um you know, pick up prescriptions or whatever. So I keep coming into contact with a whole lot of women right now. And, um, and it's all sort of that same idea of, of, you know, if you're talking about the way the work that women do in the home, referring to it as a housewife is not the way to do it. Yeah. I don't think that the housewife really exists in 2020 anymore. I don't think it's really a thing. And especially given the fact that 
most Americans need two incomes. So it's very, you, you got to be really lucky to be able to have one parent or one person stay at home. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, that at this point, the people, the families that do that, it's because daycare would be more money than what one partner or the other would be able to afford. Yeah. So you hear a lot of stories about, um, you know, maybe the the husband is a breadwinner, is the better breadwinner, or the wife is the better breadwinner, but somebody who makes the least amount of money is staying home because having two or three kids in daycare is just prohibitively expensive. So, I mean, obviously not in the era of COVID. Right. We're all stuck behind uh, our laptops at home, but... You know, I I think that that's something that shows how out of touch he is with women. And he always really has been. Yeah. I mean, the women that he surrounds himself with are are the tall, blonde, Fox News anchor type. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ivanka, who's taken accent lessons or whatever. And, you know, people like that who are not representative of the rest of America. And I... Uh, certainly in my life, I've never seen people like that. I mean, what would you even call Ivanka's tr- accent? Is it like Central Park East? I, I don't makes, I don't know how you even what you even define that as. I mean, she grew up she grew up like 20 miles from where I grew up and we speak completely differently. Yeah, I so there's um, I've been fascinated by the accent that Audrey Hepburn used to use ah. whenever uh, in a lot of those movies. And it was because they gave her lessons for how to speak in like a certain like upper class um, New York way of what they perceived, except nobody ever actually talked like that. Yeah, nobody and, talks like that. None of her siblings even talk like that. And so it's like this very interesting um, manifestation of of an actual accent that has just been completely created. Yeah, um, yeah. Talk about I, a robot. I mean, I went it, to college in Kansas, and I had a very, very, very thick Oklahoma accent when I moved to college. But because of the area of the country that I was in, um, there's like a, a a radio school there huh. where they help they send. Um, media people to get rid of their accents. Wow. Well, when I was a kid, I was told I had a very thick Long Island accent and I should start watching the news and talking like they do. And that's how I wound up getting into politics. <laughs> it's like, so I was an actor trying to like learn how to talk normal and I started watching the news and it made me a politician. All right, you know what I'm going to do? Um, so, you know, just, just wrapping this up because, you know, we've, we've had a, a pretty wide, broad ranging conversation. Um, how do you think this is going to go down on election night with these networks? Um, clearly, it's going to, it could, it, you know, we're looking at a situation where it will be hard to call the election for anybody on election night. And we're going to have a president of the United States who, if he's up by one vote, will claim victory. What do you think they're going to do? <laughs> um, so my, what I've been telling folks that I would keep an eye out for is how close things are in North Carolina. Mm. That is kind, and it, it can be either the presidential or that Senate race. Um, just keep your eye on that state, and because it's going to be early in the evening. Yep. Um, and if that goes, um, if if we win that Senate race there, or it comes very very close between Biden and Trump, then I think we have it in a lock. Right. Um, I do think, however, that we're not going to know the results of this election for like 
a week. Yeah. I think it's going to be. I think it's at least a week. But I will tell you this. I think on election night, I've said this before on my show, and I actually said it earlier tonight again, um, that uh, I believe that on election night, the state of Florida will be called and it will be called for Joe Biden. And I find it. I've been thinking the same thing. They do good elections in Florida now because they did such a bad one in 2000. They fixed it. Right. They count their absentees before uh, they release the results so that the absentees are counted as they uh, the day of the election in the precincts. So they're added to the totals and the early vote is added to the totals. And then you, they, they bring in the same day vote. You know, Florida by 11 o'clock. So yeah. by 1130, pretty much 11, I, I've said by 1130, but I think it could be even earlier than that because I think Joe Biden's going to win Florida by five points. And um, and I think it's going to be very hard for the president of the United States to be taken seriously if he claims victory on election night, trying to say that he won California or won New York when he lost Florida. Right. Right. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I think they're I mean, I'm I'm too superstitious to say. Uh, so I would encourage you to go outside, turn around three times and spit <laughs> whatever you're supposed to do. But um, see, I'm a pundit. I'm supposed to make bold predictions. <laughs> so. Right. It's, I, I do think that that is more likely than not at this point. Yeah. Um, and I would say, too, you know, Florida is a, is a huge vote my mail state. Not not necessarily because, you know, everybody's old or everybody doesn't want to go to the polls. Or People don't live there all year round. <laughs> yeah. And there have been huge efforts by the Republican Party in Florida to get people to vote by mail. Yes. The president himself has said, oh, Florida's vote by mail system's okay. So, you know, Florida's going to have a tally on election night of their vote by mail. It's not a state where you can let your ballots come in for three weeks. I think that, you know, it's probably right for states to say, get your ballot to me by election day. You know? Yeah. You know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. A New York state has the most arcane absentee voting system you won't know the results in new york for three weeks right i mean we're gonna know that trump lost new york probably on election night but the first congressional district in new york the third congressional district in new york other competitive races in new york they're not going to be called for two or three weeks because you the you absentee ballots only have to be postmarked by election day and then the sides can challenge each one and there's going to be, you know, in the primary, in the first congressional district, there were 30,000 absentee ballots in the primary. It took them three wow. weeks to count them. So it's, uh, you know, don't expect New York to be called. And that's why Donald Trump said, I'm competitive in New York, because he thinks he's going to be winning the same day vote in New York, and then he's going to stop all the other votes from being counted. That's what he thinks. And <laughs> yeah, that's not going to happen in New York. <laughs> so Yeah, that's never happening. He's not even going to be winning the same day vote. I, I would, My dream on election night, Sarah, is that... Donald Trump on election night goes to bed. Before he goes to bed, he says, we're waiting for all the votes to be counted before we make any decisions because <laughs> he's going to look like he's losing. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I know everybody's freaking out. They're saying, oh, the map's going to look red on election night. I don't know. I think that Michigan's going to look blue on election night. They do elections pretty much same day there, too. Uh, and I think Florida's going to be blue. And then good luck telling me how you're going to win. I think, too, we're going to take some... Senate races. We're going to take some congressional races. There are some Texas races where a district, I was looking today at one of the districts, which of course I can't remember which number it was, um, is, was something where um, George W. Bush won by 68%. And uh, in the last election with Beto O'Rourke, he won the district by like 58. Wow. Wow. It was 
a huge swing. And and so I wonder how many other of those Texas districts that there are. I think um, Texas is in play, personally. And I think it's going to be even more in play when George W. Bush comes out and endorses Joe Biden in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so yeah, every living president's going to endorse Joe Biden. Um, I can't see how he doesn't. I really can't. I know, right? I, I feel like this is one of those things where when when Trump starts going after Liz Cheney. Yeah. You know, I mean, my God. I mean, come on, man. I mean, Liz Cheney. <laughs> it's like, why? Because she wants a little democracy. <laughs> I mean, what is what is your problem, man? It's, that was just that one blew me away. That was the one where I was just like, wow, he really doesn't care, does he? He doesn't care. So, But, but let me just ask you, because I only got a couple more minutes with you. On election night, these networks are going to be losing their mind, right? Now, I know that the network's desks on election night, even Fox News, they have legitimate people making the calls. And there's going to be a lot of pressure to take this Trump speech where he declares declares victory. You know he's going to declare victory no matter what happens. So what do they do? Do they just not take the speech? Um, You know, I would. I think they should run it. I think, and honestly, if uh, if I was Trump, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did it at like right after polls closed, you know, right like in on the East Coast, something ridiculously early, um, and and just decide, oh, I'm I'm winning. So, uh, but I, you know, I think our policy is that we have to have two people call it. It can't just be the AP calling it. We have right. to have AP and somebody on the ground. Right. Um, and so I hope that they have that level of, of standard for some of this. Um, but, you know, I think it's going to be so long oh yeah. my God, before we before we get these results. I think I think they'll probably focus more on the Senate races because I think you'll have uh, more numbers in for that. Yep. And um, so they may just it may just be all about congressional races and Senate races, and they play that up instead of the presidential, because I don't know how people think that we're going to have anywhere close to the kind of numbers that we should for election night when everybody's voting by mail. Well, it's going to be interesting to watch. And I know that people like you will be being a watchdog during it because uh, it's going to be needed. Sarah, I got 30 seconds left with you. What do you want people to know about you? Where can they find you? Where should they be reading you? You can find me at at Sarah Burris on the Twitters, and I'm always making terrible jokes and bad puns. (laughs) Um, I find them very hilarious. (laughs) If you need a good laugh through the COVID, I'm trying to keep levity, you know, and and at least post some cute furry animal videos every once in a while. You definitely are. I'm posting cute furry animal videos myself of my dog, usually swimming. I don't know what I'm doing in the winter. She's crazy. All right, Sarah Burris on Raw Story. Check her out. All right, that's Sarah. I'll be right back to wrap it up. Eight weeks, baby. Eight weeks. Eight long, hard weeks. It is going to be, you know, I don't want to say it's a marathon because we've been through the marathon. It's like the last, you know, three miles of the marathon. Everything's hurting. Everything's on the line. Everything matters. You feel every inch of pain. And and I'm speaking from experience of running a marathon. But I I really feel that this election is going to be very similar to a marathon in that regard. We are going to be fighting for every vote. We're going to get upset every time we see a poll that has the race closer. 
We are, you know, going to fret over every lie this president tells, but I just don't think there are enough dumb people in this country to believe it. I even think that of the 40% of Americans that are supporting him, they don't even believe him. They just don't care. They don't care, and they're so tribal that it doesn't matter. They're at this point where it's like, well, you know, we've picked the side, and we're going to stay on our side, even though we know this guy's a liar. We know this guy is a fraud. We know that he doesn't have our best interest at heart. We're going to just stick with him because, well, you know, we've got a red hat with white letters on it, and I already bought the flag and put it on my boat, and I know my boat's at the bottom of the lake right now, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm sticking with them. I, I really think that there are people just so stubborn that they're going to stick with them in, in knowing that he's a liar, knowing that he really isn't what he appears to be. You know, the thing about him that makes me cringe, I mean, this, this Atlantic article we talked about, but I don't think he cares for any of the people that support him. I think that they're probably, uh, we're going to find out that there are conversations about this guy, about this president just denigrating his own supporters. I can't wait to hear those. I hope they're tapes. You know, we've got so many articles without sources. I really want tapes. I want somebody to release a tape where Donald Trump is just bashing his own supporters. That's what I want to hear. Maybe that's a pipe dream. Maybe he's never done that. I don't know. Seems like the kind of guy that would bash people who are of modest means, though. Just seems to be who he is. Well, we'll find out. Everything's going to come out in the next couple of weeks everything. And hopefully the American people will believe it. There's been so many scandals that there is a certain amount of, um, I don't know, um, there's a certain amount of truth to saying, well, you know, nothing really matters. But I don't know. I think that every inch matters. Remember, he won this presidency Because he got 77,000 more votes over three states. And out of, we're talking about 126 million votes cast, 77,000 votes. So, what story is moving what portion of those 77,000 votes? Like I've said before, I don't go on Fox News to convince everybody not to vote for Trump. I go on Fox News to convince 1% of their viewership to at least rethink their commitment to him. And if I've done that, I've done my job. So we'll see. Uh, I think, uh, I don't believe, you know, Chris Alyssa wrote an article. I don't believe that. I believe that you got to keep coming out with all of this stuff because, uh, you know, you don't know which scandal is impacting which person. Remember, most of America is only now, after Labor Day, going to start paying attention to this election. I know that we're all political junkies. You're listening to this podcast. You're a political junkie. I'm a political junkie. We 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 follow politics all the time. Most of America will only start paying attention today. So let's get to it. A lot of work to do. All right. Thanks again for all your support, America. I really appreciate it. I want to remind you, as always, to seek the truth question everyone and everything even me seek the truth i know it's out there and i know you'll find it if you look for it and i'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as i see i'm chris hahn thanks for listening to the aggressive progressive podcast